No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to week two of March Sisters Madness. I hope that you've been having as much fun as I have been. I have been listening to Little Women and I, every time I come back to this story, it's like visiting friends again. And I love knowing what the March Sisters are up to and I love how familiar some of it feels and I love realizing that there are things that I've forgotten. I'm really excited to start watching the movies. I'm recording this on Saturday and I'm a little bit behind on the movie watching, but I'm looking forward to getting lost in those worlds as well, especially the 1994 Little Women because it's just so sentimental to me since it was the first time I was introduced to the story. I've been crocheting a lot lately, so I could definitely like sit down and watch a movie and get some like good crocheting done. So hopefully that will be a part of my weekend. I'm really excited for this week's interview. This is the host of a podcast that I fell in love with uh, about a year or so ago. And so I was so excited when I had a very good excuse to invite her to be on my podcast. Ali Hafkosik is the host of SSR. And I love this podcast because they revisit children's books and YA books a lot from the 80s and 90s. But honestly, just all across time. And I loved listening to Ali's episode about Little Women, and so I knew I wanted to talk with her more about the book. So just a little apology before we get in. Something weird happened with my audio. My audio does not sound super great, and I apologize. I debated on whether or not to share this with you, and I decided that it wasn't bad enough to, like, scrap it. And the conversation with Ali is so good, and she sounds great, so if you'll just be patient with me, I would deeply appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Before we get started with our conversation about Little Woman, will you just take a minute and introduce yourself? Sure. So my name is Ali Hopkosik. I live in Philadelphia. And by day, I am a freelance writer and editor, podcast editor. And then my passion project is the SSR podcast, which is a weekly show on which I invite guests, many of them best-selling authors, podcasters, pop culture commentators, and we revisit books from our high school and middle school days and look at them from a 2022 perspective. I really love this concept. I think it's really fun to read and revisit things. I think I discovered it. I must have discovered it maybe on the American Girls podcast or maybe it was the other way around. I can't remember. I think I started listening to those at the same time. I just loved it because I think it's so fun to take these things we cared about as children like seriously. I think often we don't. I think often we're like, that was for kids when it does have a real impact. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I think something that I realized is that 
even people who don't necessarily think of themselves as readers, as adults, have similar touchstones of things that they read when they were kids. Because whether you had to do assigned reading as a kid, or you just were hearing your friends talk about things like Animorphs or Nancy Drew or American Girl, like these are pop culture icons just as much as Nickelodeon or Disney Channel shows. So it's cool to see how even people who aren't like necessarily adult bookworms get excited to hear these conversations about books, which for the most part may not be part of their day-to-day lives. So today we're going to talk about a book. And I remember I listened to this episode. I know you've done this on the podcast. We're going to talk about Little Woman, which is, I've often thought of like how to describe it for me. I think it's my favorite story of all time. Um, is maybe what I would say. I don't know what I would say my favorite book. Like, I do love the book. But for me, like, I really love different iterations of the Little Woman story, like movies and plays and stuff. Like, I really connect with it. And so to start out, will you just tell me what was, like, your first introduction to Little Woman? So Little Women is, I call it my favorite classic of all time. So I like how you have your distinction, too. Yes, Little Women is my favorite classic. And I was thinking about this after we decided that we were going to talk today I think that my first real exposure to it was the Winona Ryder movie. I remember watching that when I was probably six or seven. I've talked about this on my podcast, but when my dad and my stepmom got married, I took this visit to to meet my new stepmom's whole family. And she's a member of a big family. She's one of seven. And there are lots of grandchildren and that was all new to me. But my step-grandmother had this amazing collection of VHS tapes because it was the 90s. And one of the tapes that she had was that version of Little Women. And I, of course, am now part of this pack of children. And somebody put on Little Women. And I remember just being fully locked in on it and just being really drawn to the story and to the characters. And I think I I must have seen something else with Benona Ryder in it because I like recognized her. And I think from there, it was just a love affair. My, that same grandmother was also really into collectible dolls. And so not long after that, she got me one of the Madame Alexander Little Women dolls as a gift. And yeah, that was my first, that's my first real memory of the story. I love that. I wish I could remember when I first watched the movie because I thought a lot about this. And I think my first experience, especially in that Winona Ryder movie, it came out though. It's 1994, I think. And I was born in 96. Okay. I know we had the VHS. I know I watched it with my mom, but I don't remember the first time. I don't remember. I don't remember ever being surprised that Beth died. That's not something that I remember. I feel like I've known that my whole life. Beth, oh, that's so that's sad that you. So sad that you live in a world where Beth always dies. Because <laughs> I just I watched it when I was so young, and my first experience with that movie as well, which is just I think such a wonderful, beautiful movie. Yeah, it really is. And now that we're talking about it, and. Of course, we're approaching the holiday season. I'm thinking about the snow and the wreaths and the garland. I'm like, do I have to go watch it today? Probably. I think so. I think Christmas with the March sisters is always very wonderful. There's just something very magical about it. I agree. So then let's talk a little bit about the book. Did you, how old were you when you first like read the book? Because I'm thinking back for me, I think for a long time, I read just different abridgments. It took a long time for me to actually read the Lisa Mayakot's full book. 
I think I also read a few of the abridgments. I remember, and my husband always talks about this, the, the great illustrated classics. Did you have those? You're a couple of years younger yes. than I am. Yes. Okay. I think I did. Yeah. So I'm sure that there was a Little Women installment in that series. I remember, and I don't know exactly how old, I was probably in middle school. I got a Barnes and Noble, or maybe it was a Borders gift card. And at that point, I was familiar enough with the Little Women story, and I had attached myself to it for whatever reason enough that I decided that like I had this big girl money, I was going to go to the bookstore and I bought, I was like, I'm going to read Little Women. And I bought myself a hardcover, like a pretty version of it. It's not the Penguin Classics versions that they put out now are so gorgeous. It wasn't that pretty, but I wish I still had it because I can picture it. It had like a rust colored cover and I took the jacket off because I didn't want it to get wrinkled and I would carry it around. And it was the biggest book that I'd ever seen, including Harry Potter. It was just chunky. I think there was like back matter in it. I think there were, there was historical detail in the back and it took me so long to read, but I carried it around and I read it and I, I feel like I didn't have that much of a reaction to it because it was just so long. And at that, I don't know if you have this experience, but when I was little, I feel like when I read a book that was that long, like that was the whole point. It didn't really matter what was in it. It was like a challenge, but it was something that was really important to me to be able to do. And I did it. Okay. So I started carrying around a copy of Little Women when I was in middle school too. We had a like weird period that they had added to the day for like announcement. And they also made us read during that class. You could not do homework. If you forgot, you said nothing. You could not do anything. You could only read a book. So That's a dream. Can I have that now in my life? Do we have that period for adults? No, I don't. I don't. When I was a teenager, I thought this is ridiculous. I should be able to finish my homework. I did not appreciate it. Like, right, of course. But I remember carrying around a paperback that was my mom's and I beat it up so bad because it was like in the bottom of my middle school backpack. But I never actually finished it at that point because like you said, it was so long and so it was finally when I was in college I listened to the audiobook because I was like I need to do this in a way that I will listen to the whole story like at a speed in which I'm going to like experience the whole story because like you said like it's a long book to read which is why I think it took me so long to read the actual text like the text itself even Mm -hmm. though I loved it so much Wait, now I want to listen to it. I've never listened to it on audio. And I feel like that could be a great experience. And I, for a long time, I've had a tradition of of reading Little Women every year around the holidays. And I didn't do it last year because we read one of the more recent retellings for my book club. And I was just overwhelmed with other things. So I was like, I'll read that instead. And I missed the Little Women tradition. And now that we're talking about this, I'm like, maybe I'll get it on audio this year. That's a really good solution. I remember really enjoying listening to it on audio just because, like you said, it's so big. And I felt like the speed at which I went through it, I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying this story as a story itself. I'm not getting lost in like, the font is so small and like the classic language that sometimes slows down the reading process. Yeah. And especially because it, I've, I don't know how many times you've read it over the years. I've probably read it close to 10 times at this point. And so, if I don't, if I hear it, I like, I know what's happening and it's just getting, it's a beautiful 
book and the prose is so beautiful. And of course, it's of another time. And so I do think it's the kind of language that feels really nice to hear and just have somebody read to you. It makes a lot of sense. Like what you were saying, like when you first read it, as like as a young teenager, you're like, it didn't really, it didn't really, you don't really remember your reaction because the experience is reading this long book. But tell me a little bit about as you've read it as an adult, like what has been your reaction to the story and to the text as you've continued to read it over the years? It's important to me in a lot of ways. So I, I have a lot of sisters and I am technically an only child. I'm the only child of my two parents, but collectively with my step-siblings and half-siblings, I'm one of six. And on my dad's side of the family in particular, there's four daughters and I'm the oldest of the four. And so over the years, as I've grown up, as my sisters have grown up, as we've all grown up together, I can't help but find moments of those memories when I revisit Little Women. And of course, it's a much different time and a much different place. I do tell this story a lot, but I remember at one point, maybe it was around when I got that Madame Alexandra doll, but my grandmother was like, it was, oh, Allie, I was the oldest of four. You make a lovely Meg. And I was mad <laughs> because I was like, no, I'm Joe. Hello, it's me, Joe. And I would never say that because I didn't want to be disrespectful to my grandmother, but I'm Joe. I do think I have some Meg qualities because it's hard not to be a Meg when you are the oldest in a family. I definitely have those tendencies. But I think I think that my relationship with the material has deepened as my relationships with my siblings have deepened over the years, which is just a byproduct of growing up and of developing new memories together. I have always been a big reader surprise and also a big writer. And so I think even in my first reading of the book, maybe even my second, and I think certainly the first few times I saw the movie, I was aware of Joe as a writer and I was very attached to that. And I think that as I have written the highs and lows of being a writer in all kinds of ways in my adult life, I appreciate more Joe's journey as a creative and as a writer. And so I'm always very attached to that part of it. And I think that just the sense of, of sameness of it is very like reassuring to me. And that's why I've tended to find my way to it around the holiday season, because I find it to just be very grounding. And yes, it's the imagery of the snow on the house and Christmas isn't Christmas without any presents and all of the little moments with the sisters, it's just for me like a, okay, let's reset. My family looks nothing like the March family. I have a very modern blended family and that comes with its share of challenges. And so I think I appreciate the consistency of the marches, but it also makes me appreciate my own family more. And when I read Little Women, it brings me back to that and things about my siblings that are most meaningful to me. And it's a great reminder of my love of words and of writing. I just like what you say about consistency is the marches, because there is something so consistent across like time, across like over 200 years about the way that these relationships are described. And also the like hopes and the ambitions of the girls feel very modern and very relevant, even in their like uniqueness and even of their specificness to one time in history. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I think that it is worth noting that 
So the retelling that we read last year in my book club was So Many Beginnings by Bethany C. Morrow. And it reimagines the March sisters as recently freed Black women. So it kind of turns what we understand as the orientation of the March family on its head because it forces us to remember that, oh, there were also people of color who were living a very different life at this period in history. And so I would be remiss in the way that I like to talk about books on my podcast and just in the way that I am trying to be an advocate for representation in my life. Like I would be remiss not to say that it feels reassuring to me to come back to Little Women because it reflects a certain peace and a certain privilege, really, because even though the marches were struggling financially and they were missing their father, like all these things were hard for them, like they still had it pretty good. (laughs) And so reading So Many Beginnings last year, although it's not a perfect book, was just a good reminder to me that, yes, Little Women is feels like a peaceful read for me because relative to what a lot of people were going through at that time, it was peaceful. And it's important that we have access to stories like the one that Bethany, that Bethany C. Morrow wrote about what was happening for folks that were not as privileged in some ways. That's a really good point because the Civil War is the historical backdrop to Little Women. And you but- forget, it feels almost Victorian. That's how I read it. It's like, you forget that it's a civil, It's I, it feels almost more to me like Samantha Parkington. And it's, oh yes, we know that their dad is in the war, but on the page that gets lost. I think that's a really good point because it's so easy for it to feel separate from that, even though there's so much happening. And we do experience some characters with less privilege in the marches, but we don't necessarily experience them as independent people. We experience them as like events, like the Hubbles are like a situation to solve, a problem to solve. They don't necessarily have autonomy. And to this point, did you watch the PBS and like, a few years ago, did a three-hour Little Woman. It was like three-hour-long episodes. It's wonderful. It's the mm-hmm. same. The woman who adapted it, she's the one who did Call the Midwife. So it's just like wonderful. It's very beautiful. It's very well done. And she's British. And so some of these actors are British. And someone was like, why are they speaking with American accent? This is so odd. And she's so did you ever notice that the Civil War is taking place. This story is settled in America. And yeah. I think that speaks to like the timelessness and the and the fact that Little Women is something that connects across boundaries. But it also yeah. speaks to the fact that there was a huge conflict for human rights happening that doesn't feel necessarily very much a part of this story. Yeah, I think that's all really well said. And what you said about the Hummels, it's like they are an event and in some ways they are also, a, they're scapegoated because Beth would not have been frail Beth from the beginning had she not been this pure of heart philanthropist who was going to take care of the Hummels. And so as much as we experience them as a group of people that's like worthy of the March's compassion, it's hard not to blame them. Like they are a thing that has happened to the marches that has taken sweet Beth away from us. And yes, like even the people that are less privileged than the marches are something to be experienced by the marches. And that's to say nothing of an entire group of people who don't look like the marches who are experiencing a reality that's altogether much worse. 
So I also read so many beginnings last year and I really loved it. I thought it was very beautiful. I felt like the language was really nice. Like it felt, it's been a while since I read it, but I feel like the author did a really wonderful job pulling in elements that made it feel like a classic. Like the things you think about in the class, I think there are elements that really made it feel that way. Are there other retellings of the book that you've read? Like what are some other ones that come to mind? So I read Meg and Joe by Virginia Cantra. Did you read that one? No, I didn't read that one. Okay. So I read it, I want to say in the last few years, as it's been so wild. So I try to picture like what apartment I was living in when I read it. It came out within the last few years though. And it reimagines the March sisters in contemporary America. And I know that, so Meg and Joe came out first. And I know that Beth and Amy has since been released and I did not read it. And so that probably gives you a sense of how I felt about Meg and Joe. I really liked the premise of it. It, In Meg and Joe, we have Meg, who is this sort of harried, stay-at-home, 21st century mom who is so selfless and stretched very thin, taking care of her kids, her husband, the version of her husband that we see in this book is he, it, I guess it, it matches up with the original in that. And I don't know what his name is in, in the new book, but he's like an underachiever. He lacks a lot of the charm of John in the original little women. He is like a little bit of a loser if I remember correctly. And Meg is had taken in by the romance of being with him. And now she's picking up the pieces of where it's landed her And Joe is being Joe and being free and independent and coming in and out of Meg's life and visiting with the kids when she can. And it has been a few years since I read this book. So listeners, forgive me if I'm missing some of the details. And I think that all of those character decisions on part of the author made sense, but there was something about it that just, it made me sad. And maybe it was my mistake for thinking that a book that's so special to me could so easily map into a 21st century setting. It just didn't work for me. And I think at some point I probably will pick up Beth and Amy because I wonder, I remember thinking based on the way that Beth and Amy were characterized in that book, that their stories could be interesting, but I haven't done it yet. A few years ago, it was before the pandemic, there was also a little woman movie retelling that came out that was set like modernly with the four sisters. And mm. I remember my feeling on it was like, there are elements that I love of this because I love little women, but like these characters are not as deep as, and I wonder if part of the problem is like developing the characters modernly, like just simply isn't done with as many pages. Yeah. With as much time as maybe Little Woman itself has been with, because I was like, there is promise in here. I'm like, I think I think this story can map into a 21st century setting, but I just think it's a little bit tricky. Was my feeling when I watched that movie that there were just elements that I was like, these sisters should be developed a little bit more thoroughly because they are so rich as characters. Yeah, and I wonder you're somebody who knows the story so well, obviously. And I'm trying to think about so you come to it with a certain wealth of information about how these characters are supposed to read. And I think about this for myself sometimes too. Does that add or take away from coming to a retelling? Because I think it in a lot of ways it can enrich the experience. And then I'm like, okay, what if somebody had come to that 
that version that you just mentioned and they had no idea, maybe they like hadn't ever interacted with the story before, would they be even more disadvantaged to get it? I don't know. I'm also a huge fan of the Greta Gerwig movie. I love the Greta Gerwig movie. I think the ending is brilliant. You know, that's controversial, but I think the ending is brilliant. How do you feel about the way that the movie ends? I love pretty much everything about it. (laughs) The Greta Gerwig movie is actually the only movie that I currently own in the way that you can own a movie in 2022. Like I bought it on Google Play or whatever, which makes me think I should probably go watch that today too. I love everything about it. I didn't watch it last year. It's That's another thing I try to watch around the holidays. So there might be things that if I go back now, I'm like, I wish I hadn't said that I love all of it, but I really liked it. I thought that the framing of it was fantastic. I love that we get to see Joe like actually follow through with the book and it added a modern sensibility, I think, because it empowers Joe even further. No, I loved it. I really did. I remember it was like the last movie I saw before the pandemic happened. I think I saw it like the very end of December's last movie I saw in theaters. And I remember it going and something that I think is so well done is so often the how we view women's stories, Little Woman is really strongly framed as a love story in movies because so much has to be taken out of it, which yeah. a side note is why the PBS one is so great because the stage of it in three hours, they like really develop like that in a way that I, you don't usually see that developed. So Little Woman is so often framed as a love story. It's really strongly developed. Like the sister's romances are really focused on. And Joe still had a love story, but her love story was her book. That was her great love and the way this movie was put together. And I think that was a brilliant choice. It was a refreshing choice. It's moved to the story itself. That's a huge part of the book. But this this adaptation of the movie, rather than looking at a 700-page book and saying, okay, everything goes but romance, which isn't quite true, but kind of can happen in a movie adaptation. A lot of things for Joe were focused in a way to make sure that the story of her book was told so fully, which I thought was really beautiful. Yeah, I think that's all really well said. And you probably know this already as a big fan of the material. But for those who don't know, when Louisa May Alcott wrote the book originally, it was only like half of the version that we now know as the full Little Women. So she actually hadn't written about what happened with the Joe and Laurie love story or lack thereof after. And so she only wrote the second half because so many women really like these women who read the book were writing her letters and asking like what happened to Joe's relationship and so Louisa May Alcott like never like never really intended it to be this like sprawling love story and I think it's interesting that we've latched on to that and like I'm a full Joe and Laurie stand like forever so yes I'm in I agree but I love what you said about the fact that the Greta Gerwig movie puts Yes, Joe's writing, but also the fa- the familial relationships at equal of equal importance to the love story. And that's really how it was intended to be read all along. I, yeah, I just think, okay, and so this is very interesting, Joe and Laurie, because like I said, I always knew Beth died and I always knew that Amy ended up on Laurie. So if I never felt as upset about that as some people did, is that upsetting for you? Do you remember, like, how, how do you feel about that? Uh, do you remember... Like discovering that, what was your reaction? Like you, I was exposed to it so young that I never knew it another way. And yet every time I read the book, I'm like, mm, maybe this time it will be different. Like, 
maybe this time they'll get it right. But there's something about watching it that is, it just rips me apart. And maybe it's the older sister in me. And also the version of me that's like still in high school and has these like really intense friendships with guys. And that's a specific kind of love in itself where I'm just, and I don't ever cry watching movies, but my story with the Greta Gerwig movie is that I took myself to the movies by myself to see it the day after Christmas in 2019, because my husband had to work and we weren't traveling for Christmas that year. And so that was going to be like my big day out. And I, it was like a movie theater where you like a full menu and I ordered French fries and a glass of wine. And I watched little women in the middle of the afternoon and I cried the whole time. And there's something about just seeing and Timothy Chalamet as Laurie is like, Oh, so good. There's something about just the passion in their relationship and the intensity and the feeling of we love each other so much. And we don't know what that means because when you're that age and I felt like it's, I've never loved somebody like this, but is what kind of love is it? And that frustration, like it comes across so perfectly on the screen in a way that I just think it adds to what is written on the page. And as at the same time, every time I read the book, I'm like, okay, it practically speaking, I understand a little bit more why Laurie and Amy end up working. And just as much as I loved the Joe in the Greta Gerwig movie, I loved Amy too. Like I, I love the Florence Pugh monologue in the art studio about how limited her options are. And it, it was a redemption story, I think, for Amy, because Amy is so often maligned. But it was like, yeah, the girl's just doing what she has to do. And Lori wants to be part of this family. And they all have very limited choices. They can't go on a dating app and be like, let me find somebody who's like Joe, but not Joe. The best thing that Lori could do to find somebody who's like Joe, but not Joe was marry Joe's sister. And I don't like that as an older sister, but like, I get it. That being said, I can never get on board with the professor fully. I just can't. I think that's very fair. I think the older I get, the less on board I am with the professor. I think I've always felt very strongly that Joe and Mar- Joe's argument to Laurie about her concerns about their relationship is very valid. And I think in some ways I find it a little bit refreshing because I've heard so many times in stories like the, the characters just end up together. And I think Little Women challenges some ideas of what does it take for a relationship? What are some reasons people might get married? Like, And it maybe lends validity to some yeah. arguments that so often we don't want to be valid. We just want it to be loving and very happy. But just the argument of you can love someone, but can you live with them every day? And I think yeah. that that's like a very important question that I enjoy that it explores. I agree that I love Florence Pugh's Amy. I'm an older sister. Like I love Joe. I always thought Amy was kind of annoying. And then Florence Pugh's Amy maybe felt like I had been doing Amy a disservice for, yeah. for years. And so I'm glad Amy is getting her justice and her due, especially where she is based on one of Louisa and I have sisters. I think like it's wonderful the way the Greta Gerwig adaptation um encouraged viewers and audiences to like reimagine and re-engage with me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Anything else that you wanted to add? Anything you feel like you've missed or that comes to mind as we've been talking about the story? The only thing I have to say now is that as soon as we finish talking, I am literally going to go get my little women audiobook because I that's the only way that I that's the last 
way that I need to consume this story. So I'm going to go do that. But no, this has been such a joy. Uh, Nobody that I've ever met wants to get into the March sisters this way. And so I just really appreciate that we had this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. I always want to talk about the March sisters. When the movie came out and I had bought like some beautiful like artwork, I had just gotten a new job and I bought some like March sister artwork to put in my office. I did like very literary things. It was very cute. And a few like women came in that were my peers and they looked at it and they were like, that is the most wonderful story. And they had watched the Greta Gerwig version. They had just watched the Greta Gerwig version. And I was so excited because I felt like this thing that I loved so deeply was having like this renewed pop culture moment in a way that like I hadn't been able to connect with people about it before. Yeah, I'm going to watch this weekend. I'm like, there goes my weekend because now that we've talked about this, I just have to clear my schedule. And it's actually perfect because as we're recording, it's the weekend before Thanksgiving. And so I'm trying to pace myself with too many like explicitly Christmas-y things. So I feel like starting my Little Women exploration is the perfect way to ease in. I feel really good about it. I also feel like the Marches probably love Thanksgiving. It just really appeals to their sensibilities. I think so too. I think that's a great point. But yeah, they're, like I said, all other plans for the weekend have to be canceled, unfortunately. I think this is a good substitute. I agree. Thank you for inspiring it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for your time, Allie. This has been lovely. Can you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, I have new episodes of my podcast, the SSR podcast, dropping every Tuesday. And you can find me on Instagram at SSR pod, on Twitter at SSR pod. And if you want to get involved with the book club that I referenced where we read so many beginnings and also get access to cool bonus author Q&As and monthly newsletters and reading recap videos and lots of other fun stuff, you can join us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash SSR podcast and links to Patreon and lots of other fun things are in the link at my bio on Instagram. I highly recommend all these things. I've followed you on social media and engaged with your Patreon and it's all great content. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much to Ali for her time and thank you so much to you for listening. I am so glad that you are here. Remember that you can find the reading calendar for March Madness in the show notes. You can also find it on Instagram. I would love to see pictures of what you've been doing for March Sisters Madness. I'd love to see the copy of Little Women you're reading. I'd love to see any activities that you're engaging in. This week's activity is dress in a March Sister inspired outfit. I have some awesome March Sister t-shirts that I bought from the common room shop that will be making an appearance in my outfit this week so should be a lot of fun and if you dress up in a way that is reminiscent of the march sisters or inspired by them i would love to see pictures of your outfits i can't wait to chat with you next time and remember this is your life it's not a plan b